0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. You, you, you made it for our special hell weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I'm going to tell you. My assistant, Diane, sitting over there, she, she uh, how can I say this? She, she messed up the title. And, and it actually, the title that she broke down is, what the hell? So, <laughs> instead of how to avoid hell. <laughs> so, uh, here we go. <laughs> All right. I, I, will, I think I'll actually just start here. In uh, Hebrews chapter six, and here the Apostle Paul or Apollos or uh, Clement of Rome, whoever wrote the book of of Hebrews, uh, wrote what are the fundamental doctrines of Christ, things that every Christian needs to know and understand. So he says, leaving the discussion of the elementary or the foundational principles of Christianity, Now, it's going to mention six things that every Christian should know, right? It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. Now, eternal judgment here is talking mainly about heaven and about hell. So, 90% of everything that we as Christians know about the subject of hell, we learn from Jesus. 90% came from Jesus. So, I'm just going to read a little little bit this morning, kind of start to uh, unpack some of what the New Testament talks about when it comes to the subject of eternity, of heaven and hell. In Luke 16, verse 19, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man. Um, Some people say, well, this is a parable. Well, Jesus never started his parables with this was a certain, right? He would say it's like, but it was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died. Uh, by the way, the, the, the death rate for humanity is 100%. Right? It happened to this man. Eventually, if Jesus tarries, it will happen to you and it'll happen to me. Right? And r- literally, it, this, this is where Jesus literally pulls back the veil and says, this is what happens when somebody dies. Right? Lazarus, he's full of sores. He's laid at the rich man's table. uh, Desires to feet be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died, listen, and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom or literally Abraham's side. So he dies, his body's put in a grave, but angels carry him. The one thing that we need to remember constantly is that you are a three part being, right? You are a spirit. You have a soul or a mind and you live inside of a body and your body is going to die. But when your body dies, the real you that lives on the inside is going to step out and you are going to be carried by angels just like this man was. Right? And, and it's not like taking a vacation where you can decide if you want to go to the Bahamas or you want to go to the Mediterranean. No, there's only two places you can go, right? And when you die, the decision's already made. You've already made it, right? Because the second you die, you're sealed for all of eternity, all right? So the rich man dies, he's carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torment in Hades. He lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in torment in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things like rise. Lazarus, evil things, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. The only thing I want to say to begin with is Jesus makes it very clear that death is not the end, right? That there really is a heaven and there really is a hell. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible says this It's appointed for a man to die once, and after that, the judgment. It's appointed for a man to die once, and after that, the judgment. Now, we live in a society that does not believe in absolute truth. But you need to understand that there really is a God in heaven, right? And He has absolute. There are not 10 suggestions. There's 10 commandments, right? God in heaven is the judge, right? So you're going to die once. You say, what does that mean? Well, first of all, that means this. You cannot stay at your house and haunt your house, right? You are not going to come back as a cow or a cat. Because we'd kick you if you are No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, what the, what the Bible is saying here is it, you, you live once. You don't come back and try to correct all the mistakes that you made in your previous life, right? It's appointed for a man to die once, and after that, the judgment. I, I'm going to say something. I wish that what the Bible teaches about hell was not true. I don't want it to be true, but it is true. Hell is the most fearsome truth in all of the word of God. That everybody is going to spend an eternity someplace. That after the stars fall from the sky like ripe autumn leaves, you are going to live on someplace forever and ever and ever. It's appointed for a man to die once. When the Bible says that, here's, here's a... Another thing that it's telling you and me, that because you're a spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, says, May the very God of peace sanctify you completely. So the Bible's going to tell you about your whole being. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Again, you are a spirit. You You have a soul. And you live inside of a body. And here's the truth. You are a spirit and you are having a natural earthly experience. You understand that? You are a hybrid being. right? Because you're a spirit, you can contact the spiritual realm. right? But because you have a physical body, you contact the natural realm. Right? A lot of people today don't even recognize the fact that they really are a spirit being. But you are a spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, God is a spirit, right? Now, you're not God, but you are the same type of a being, right? You're a spirit being, right? And then in Hebrews chapter 1, it says he makes his angels spirits. Angels are spirits. Uh, How many of you realize that angels do not retire when they're 300,000 years old? And angels don't die. Why? Because they're a spirit. You see, and you are never, your, your physical body will die, but the real you that lives on the inside of your body is going to live forever and ever and ever. Right? The old song says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining is the sun, we'll have no less days. No less days. It is eternal. And the Bible says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Right? Judgment day is coming. Now, it is extremely unpopular today to talk on the subject of hell. Um, I, I read a survey. This was taken several years ago, but it was interesting. They, they, this, was, this was of Americans. 90% believed in heaven, right? 30% believed in hell, and almost nobody thought they'd go there. They thought it was just for somebody else. Now, the, the, the book of Jude in the New Testament says this. Now, this was written, get this, only 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus. He said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was delivered, which was once and for all delivered to the saints, yeah. So 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, we're already drifting away from the truth, right? There is a natural tendency to drift away from truth. You you look at universities like Harvard and Yale. Now they were actually began to prepare ministers to preach, right? And today they are anti-God. What happened? There was this drift. Right? and just 30 years after the resurrection there was already a drift and he says you need to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints and in many parts of the church today they, they, they teach they, they simply do not teach on hell or they say you know it's 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 something that happens to you in your lifetime it's just having bad Things happen to you while you're alive, but that is not at all what the Bible teaches. In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 11, it says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. And by the way, this is judgment day right here in your Bible from whose faith the earth and heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great standing before God and books were opened, And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. That's hell. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anyone not found in the book of life. That's the Lamb's book of life. Jesus' book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, the good news of the gospel is this. Nobody needs to go to hell. Nobody needs to go. right? Jesus has provided a way of escape from hell. Right? So many people today, although the Bible is very clear, many people reject the idea. Again, it's appointed for a man to die. Once and after that, the judgment. Jesus very, very clearly mentions what happens after someone dies. In, in Matthew 25 and verse 46, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and these will go into everlasting punishment and the righteous into everlasting life. All right? These into everlasting punishment and the righteous into everlasting life. The word everlasting and eternal, where it says everlasting punishment and eternal life, they're the exact same word. They're the exact same word. So what Jesus said is this, if there's no hell, there's no heaven. Not that These into everlasting punishment, and the righteous into everlasting life. If there's no hell, there's no punishment. If one is temporary, the other is temporary, right? I think just about everybody who believes in heaven believes it's permanent. Well, Jesus made it very clear that heaven, it is eternal, but punishment is also eternal. You know, probably the best known Christian song in the English language is Amazing Grace. Right? Written by John Newton, who had been a slave trader, who got saved. The last verse says this. The earth will soon dissolve like snow, the sun forever to shine, forbear to shine. But God, who called me here below, will be forever mine. Right? Even the, old, the best known verse in the Bible, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And interestingly, hell was not made for people. Got that? It was not made for people. Jesus said this again in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Who is the hell made for the devil and his angels. But here's the deal. You're going to live someplace forever. You are going to live someplace forever. And if you step into eternity without the forgiveness and the salvation that God offers you through Jesus, there's no other place for you to go. There is no other place for you to go. First Thessalonians 5, 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you're a spirit, you will live someplace forever. Now, one of the false teachings that people talk about is that what's going to happen if you're not right with God is God is simply going to annihilate you and you are going to cease to exist. The problem with that is you're a spirit. When I first got saved, I thought I had a really good idea for God. You ever thought you could help God out? I said, God, I don't know why you haven't thought of this, but what you should do is kill the devil, kill him, invite all the demons to his funeral and kill them, right? Right? Now, the problem is you can't kill the devil. The Bible talks about certain angels that were disobedient. And it says God has put them in everlasting chains of darkness, everlasting, literally eternal chains of darkness because they're gonna live on forever, right? And just like you, you're gonna live someplace forever. But you can, listen, you can only receive what God did for you through Jesus while you live. A lot of people really think I'm going to die. And then I'll say, God, woo, I'm so sorry. Let's negotiate. Right? But there's no negotiating once you die. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 12. Inasmuch then as the children, that's you and me, have partaken of flesh and blood. How many of you realize you have a flesh and blood body? Right? Now, when Jesus arose from the dead... He says, touch me and see, he said, a spirit does not have flesh and bone, right? Because Jesus' blood was in heaven, right? But inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body just like you. To redeem you, he had to be like you. So he came in a flesh and blood body. He shared in the same that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil, which is what Jesus came to do, destroy the power of death and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage for indeed, he does not give aid or salvation to angels. Why can't angels get saved? Because they don't have a flesh and blood body. Jesus came in a flesh and blood body. So indeed he does not give aid or salvation to angels, but he does give aid or salvation to the seed of Abraham. So Jesus came in a flesh and blood body to redeem you. And you can only receive what he did for you while you live in a flesh and blood body. In other words, you cannot die and then say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, let's negotiate. Uh, I, I would like to try again. No, you're disappointed for a man to die once. After that, the judgment. Solomon, who was the son of King David and a prophet, said this. He said, if the tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. Now, he's not talking about trees. He's talking about people. Right. And when you fall, when you die, you're either right with God or you're not right with God. And in the condition you die, you will be in that condition for all of eternity. In Psalms 49, it says it like this. They trust in their wealth and boast of the profusion of their riches, but no one can ever redeem himself or pay his own ransom to God. For the price for himself is too high, and it will never be that he will live on forever and avoid the sight of the abbess. So nobody can redeem themselves. You cannot pay enough. You can't do enough works. After you die, nobody can light enough candles, burn enough incense, give enough money, or pray you out of the condition that you die in. When you die, you are sealed. You're right with God or you're not right with God. I I am going to literally say it. There are literally billion in excess of a billion people that believe that when you die, God takes all your good works and puts them in the right hand and all of your bad works in his left hand in a scale. And if you have more good works than bad works, you kind of slide into heaven. But if you've got more bad works than good works, whoosh, you're going to slide into hell. Romans 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds, or by the works, or by obeying the law, by obeying rules and regulations, no flesh, no one, will be justified in his sight. Not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, nobody is ever going to stand before God and say, God, I, I, was just, I did it all right. I'm, I did it all. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In fact, the Bible tells us God gave the law that sin would abound. In other words, God did not give the law so you could obey it and be right with him. He gave the law so that you would see how miserable and wretched you are. That's why he gave us the law. So we would go, oh my goodness, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Are you a mess? If you don't know it, I'm just telling you, you're a mess. (laughs) No one has ever been made right with God by obeying 10 commandments or 613 commandments or however many you've got. No one has ever been made right with God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. God gave the law so we would know that we needed a savior, right? In 2 Samuel verse 14, it says this, it's this, this, this jumped out at me one day. It says, for we will all surely die and become like water spilled on the ground. I mean, once, once you die, you can't, you're not coming back, all right, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him, all right? What God did was he saw humanity's need and he said, I know a way. I know a way to put them back in right relationship with me. I know a way to pay for their sin. So Jesus said this way. He said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And no one can come to the father except through me. That means all of your good works cannot make you right with God. All of my good works cannot make me right with God. My ideas of how to be right with God will not make me right with God. Your ideas of how to be right with God will not make you right with God. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, not a truth, I'm the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. So clear. So One of the other things that we we really need to be careful about today, because so many people, because the doctrine of hell is not comfortable. How many of you know it is very uncomfortable? We'd like to, we try to make another way, right? And one of the things that so many people embrace today, even people that call themselves Christian, right, is universalism. That just everybody's going to be saved, right? But the Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus said it, right? He said, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? It's not just for everybody. It's for those that believe in him and that they should not perish. John one twelve says to as many as receive him to them, he gives the right to be the children of God. It's not enough to know about God. It's not enough to believe in God. In fact, in the book of James it says this it says the devils believe and tremble. Right? So believing is not enough. Right? There's well, again Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Must be saved. Jesus died Paid for your sin in mind, was buried, rose again, and is coming again. He is going to return to this earth. And he's coming, according to the book of Jude, to execute judgment. That's what he's coming to do. He's coming to save those that have put their faith in him, but to execute judgment against those that have not. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And to wait for his son from heaven. He died. He arose. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come, who delivers us from the wrath to come. There is a day coming in which sins will be paid for that have the sins of those who have not received Jesus. Jesus came to pay that price, but it's something that we have to receive. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, there's that place, heaven, but there is this place called hell. He said, it is a fearsome place. Jesus said this in Matthew 10. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Again, he says in Matthew 13, and I will cast them into the furnace and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Not a pretty picture. If your right hand, Jesus said, causes you to sin, cut it off for it's better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two hands and to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched and where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. In other words, Jesus is saying there is an eternal punishment. Now, is, if it's a literal fire or if it's symbolic fire, I don't know. But I know that the rich man, it burned. It burned. Right? But Jesus is the one sacrifice for sin. And here's what we, we have to remember. Good people do not go to heaven. I won't say that again. Good people do not go to heaven. Bad people do not go to hell. Forgiven people go to heaven. Unforgiven people go to hell. It's not a matter of how good. See, you can be famous, you can be rich, and you can be lost. You can be a genius and lost forever. You could win a Nobel Prize and not know God, and be lost for all of eternity. Living a good life will not save you. You could be beautiful, handsome, successful, a founder and CEO of a successful company. You can be a coach, a celebrity. You can be living the high life. You can be happy, healthy, love yourself, love your life, love your friends, love your neighbors, love the world, and don't know Christ, and you can go to hell. right? You can be blind, you can be dumb, you can be sad, you can hate yourself, you can hate society and the world. Have no friends and be alone. And if you don't know Jesus, you'll still go to hell. Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? Hebrews 10, verse 14 says, there was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person, All right? to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering or sacrifice, he did everything. I would like you to just say that, say everything that needed to be done for anyone or everyone who takes part in the purifying process. Jesus did how much? He was a perfect man in the perfect sacrifice. He represented you. And he paid for your sin. He paid for my sin. He was buried. But God raised him from the dead. He conquered death. Not just so that he could prove he did it. But he conquered death for you and for me. In fact, to prove it, the Bible mentions that when Jesus arose from the dead, that there was an earthquake and the tombs of many people around Jerusalem were opened. And the dead walked out of their tombs. He didn't just prove he could raise himself from the dead. It was proof that he had conquered death for you and for me. He had paid the price of sin. The wages of sin is? It's death. And when it says death, it's not just talking about a physical death. It's talking about an eternal death, the lake of fire. But the free gift of God, it is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, would you bow your heads For just a moment. And again, in a group of this size, there's people in every kind of spiritual condition, people that have lived for God for decades, people that at one point you lived for God, but you've drifted away from God. And there's others that you don't know where you stand with God. The Bible says this, it says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. The good news of the gospel is no one needs to go to hell. And you can know today that you are forgiven right with God and on your way to heaven. Because there was a perfect man who was a perfect sacrifice. And he did everything. He paid your debt and my debt. And he will take your hand and put it in God's hand. So we're going to pray a prayer together. The Bible says, whosoever that you will call on the name of the Lord. We're going to do it the way the Bible tells us to. And this is God's promise. We'll be saved. We'll be saved. If you will pray this from your heart, when we say amen, you are going to be right with God. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head. I want you to pray this prayer out loud from your heart. Would you repeat this? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my Lord, my King, my Savior, and I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone, and I am now a part of your family, your kingdom, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.